Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. In our Gospel lesson this morning, we have a wonderful miracle from the beginning of our Lord's ministry. Not too long ago in Luke's Gospel, our Lord was set apart for his unique ministry as the sacrificial victim to bear the sins of the world and to make atonement for them by his blood. Already then he was on his way to the cross. And after his fasting and temptation, he preached in his hometown, but he was not welcome there. Then he went to Capernaum, where this miracle takes place. And there he taught in the synagogue and cast out demons and healed many sick persons, including Peter's mother-in-law. After a day of healing, he stayed at Peter's house, which seemed to be his home base for ministry in Capernaum. We can see here already that it seems Peter, Andrew, James, and John are already disciples of Jesus and following him. Sometime later, the crowds were pressing in on Jesus to hear the word of God. They were still in Capernaum, the hometown of Peter, Andrew, James, and John. And in order to get away from those pressing so closely upon him, but still being able to teach the people, Jesus got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. But after teaching, he did not tell Peter to go back, but rather to go out even further. And not only that, he told him not just to go deeper so that they may enjoy the beautiful scenery of the Sea of Galilee, but in order to let down their nets in the middle of the day, in the deep of the water. Peter knew that this was counterintuitive. After all, he was a fisherman, and he had made this his craft for his whole life. This is how he supported his wife and his family. Jesus, on the other hand, was a rabbi, and he was trained in carpentry or stonemasonry, however you want to translate that. And so he answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets. Immediately, against all odds, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. James and John and Peter's other partners in the other boat were immediately called upon to help. They took in so many fish that both boats started to sink. Peter knew then that this was no ordinary rabbi that they were learning from, but that Jesus was in some way God himself. And so he abases himself and falls on Jesus' knees and says to him, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Peter knew that in the presence of the holy, the sinful cannot live. God's holiness is such that it cannot stand to have sinfulness in its presence. Yet even now, in light of his future sacrifice, Jesus is forgiving those who have faith in him. Peter showed faith by obeying Jesus' word. He showed faith by recognizing him as Lord. And so the Lord speaks the word of absolution when Peter confesses his sin, saying, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought in their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. 
Here we see beautifully the power of our Lord Jesus' word. First, we see his power of his word over creation and nature. Thus, we see that he is not just anyone, but he is the God of creation himself. There should not have been fish there. It was the wrong place, the wrong depth, the wrong time. They should not have caught any fish, especially after toiling all night, let alone two boats full. Yet, at his word, the fish filled the nets that they may be caught. He who commanded their creation by saying, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures, still had commanded them now. By this act, the Lord Jesus Christ demonstrated to those who heard his command that he was no ordinary rabbi, no ordinary prophet even, but that he was God himself. All who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. They all saw the power of his word to accomplish his will, and Peter has the most appropriate response. He falls on his knees in a posture of act, a posture and act of worship, a sign of subservience and submission, an act of reverence and awe, and says, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. No longer does he call him master. That's Luke's word for rabbi, but he calls him Lord. For truly he is the Son of God in human flesh, King of kings, Lord of lords, very God of very God. And as God, his word is powerful. And yet there is more to this miracle than simply demonstrating his divinity, as it is demonstrated in his absolution to Peter. Yes, it is also a concrete and physical example of what he had already been doing before they put out into the depths to let down their nets. This miracle is a manifestation of his spiritual power, of his word. Let us remember the context. There was already a great crowd pressing in on him, a veritable sea of men, women, and children. To get some room from them, he goes out into the boat to teach them. And even so, before this miraculous demonstration with the fish of our Lord's power and the power of his word, our Lord Jesus was already working with his word among the crowds who were listening to him preach and teach. Yes, his word was active and working in the crowd and in his disciples. His word was at work spiritually, in invisible ways among the crowd of those who had gathered at the shores of Lake Gennesaret. His word was toiling in the darkness of their hearts, bringing them the light of his truth which comes from his very being as the light of the world. His word was smashing hearts of stone like a hammer that they may instead become hearts of flesh, living hearts enlivened by the gospel, the word of life. His word was at work to bring those who were dead in their trespasses and sins to life. His word was at work freeing them from slavery to sin and the passions of the flesh to freedom in the gospel because of what Christ had begun to do in his ministry and in light of what he would accomplish on the cross. Yes, it is even his word which created faith in Peter so that he was able to say, At your word, I will let down the nets, and for him to recognize Jesus as Lord and God. We know, brothers and sisters, that we cannot believe in Jesus Christ our Lord or come to him by our own reason or strength. 
Rather, it is by the Holy Spirit working through the word of Jesus, who calls, enlightens, and creates and sustains faith in us. We could toil all we want, looking to reach God, looking to grasp him, to find him, but we could not do that by our own powers. We are too damaged by sin. Our will is too far gone and too corrupted that we could not do it. We are not only sick in this regard, though, we are dead. And if this is true for us before our conversion, before we were brought to life by the gospel, how could we think that we ourselves can bring others to life? Can you raise the dead? Can you break the heart of stone in one another? Can you give them a heart of flesh? No. We could toil all day and all night, longer than the disciples toiled trying to catch those fish, but as long as we're relying on ourselves, we cannot do a single thing for another as far as bringing them to faith. That is why it is so stunning that our Lord says to Peter, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And this translation, as much as I like the ESV, does a disservice to us, unfortunately. Because we hear this, you will be catching men, and we think, ah, like he catches fish. We think of the similar event in St. Matthew's Gospel, where Jesus says, you will be fishers of men. But that's not quite what's happening here. When our Lord says, you will be catching men, it's better to translate it, you will be catching men alive. It's not simply catching, but catching alive, capturing alive. It's not a fishing verb, like to put out the boats and to let down the nets, but it's a war verb of taking prisoners alive, taking people alive. But our Lord uses it in this context to show them the beautiful and wonderful things that will be happening. Peter and the other disciples who are following Jesus, as well as all of those who follow after them, are not simply catching men like fish, drawing them up from the depths of their sin to die in the air, but catching men alive, catching them with the net of the gospel, those who are spiritually dead, yet catching them alive. Yes, through their labor and toil, they will not be relying on themselves, on their own work, on their own skills, but solely on the word of Jesus. And that word of Jesus catches men alive. It revives them, bringing them from death to life. Yes, this miracle and this word of Christ shows us how his word is powerful, even against all earthly reason. Not that he is unreasonable, far from it. Our Lord Jesus is the word of God incarnate. He is the wisdom of God. But fallen reason, reason impacted by sin, cannot grasp this. As St. Paul says in our epistle lesson this morning, the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. 
Yes, the word of Jesus, the word of the gospel, does not need a fancy presentation. It doesn't need a TED Talk-esque backdrop and mood lighting. No powerful presentation to accompany it. These things will not make it work. Rather, it works all on its own. In fact, no matter how we present it, unless the Holy Spirit is at work through the Word, breaking the heart of stone to replace it with a heart of flesh, the Word of the cross is folly to those who hear it. Yet, through it, God is saving those who believe in Jesus Christ, who believe He is God and man in one person, and that He took the sins of the world upon Himself and died for us on the cross so that we may live. The world cannot understand this. No one can, and neither can you nor I by our own wisdom or power. Only by the enlightenment of the Holy Spirit, imparting the light of Christ, can we see and believe that through our Lord's grisly death comes our life. And through his resurrection from the dead comes our future resurrection. Indeed, it is God who uses this powerful word, who changes hearts and raises the spiritually dead to life through this word, even when it is preached, proclaimed, and shared by humble and unworthy servants, such as myself or any other pastor. St. Paul said in his second epistle to the Corinthians, We have this treasure in jars of clay, to show the surpassing power belongs to God, not to us. This treasure is the gospel. We are nothing. We do nothing. It is God who is at work. It is his power which raises you to life and who sustains you in this life and which lasts unto eternity. Even though his messengers are weak, it is his power that is at work. But it's not only I or other pastors, it's you as well, dear Christians. You are weak and you know this in yourselves. You may not feel comfortable sharing the gospel or encouraging a brother or sister in the faith, or inviting a child, grandchild, family member, or friend to church. But know that it is not you who must convince them. It is not based on your eloquence, your might, your wisdom, or your power. No, it is God himself who works through his word, even when it is shared in the most humble and simple manner. And his word is powerful. Indeed, he delights in using simple means. Think of what will be happening in the sacrament of the altar later today. A morsel of bread, a sip of wine. But what is conveyed with it? The body of Christ. The very body offered on the cross which bore our sins. The blood of Christ. The very blood of Jesus shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. The world sees nothing but a meager morsel of a meal. But the eyes of faith see that through the word of Jesus uttered almost 2,000 years ago, but still active even today, there is a rich feast of eternal life. Yes, the word of Jesus Christ is powerful, powerful to save you, dear brothers and sisters. His word creates faith in you. His word sustains it. His word brought you from death to life, and at his word all the dead will awaken, and those who believe in him and thus have been forgiven all their sins and enabled by the Holy Spirit's indwelling to do good will enter into eternal life by God's grace, and those who have done evil into everlasting death. 
Yes, it is his word which dwells richly now in you, and which enables you to do good works which are pleasing to God. And even these works are simple, giving to the poor, supplying for the needs of others, living quietly and peaceably with all. It is his word which informs your prayers for yourself and for others, his word which sustains you in your fasting, his word which is active when you share the gospel, and it is his word which you cling to for the promise of salvation, which he first promised you in holy baptism, the washing of the water and the word, which he, that he would never leave you nor forsake you, and that he will raise you to life on the last day, because Christ has already raised you from spiritual death to spiritual life. May God grant this to us all, through the merits of Christ Jesus, his Son, whose word is powerful. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.